Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Tony Katz, great to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. And I don't think this is a good way for Democrats to get reelected. I think this is, this is silly. This is silly as can be. Ruben Gallego, he is a Democrat out of uh, Arizona. And uh, he's responding to a tweet from Chris Hayes from MSNBC saying citizens having their papers demanded, then confiscated, then put in detention and ordered into deportation proceedings. The historical resonances here are clear as bell. Talking about a, a piece um, in the Washington Post that the U.S. is denying passports to Americans along the border, throwing uh, their citizenship into question. Well, if there's an issue, you should discuss it and we should take a look. If somehow American citizens are having issues with their passports, we shouldn't have that. My issues are never with American citizens, nor nor should yours be. Um, the, the real story here is the response from Representative Ruben Gallego, who said, if you are a U.S. government official and you are deporting Americans, be warned. When the worm turns, you will not be safe because you were just following orders. You do not have to take part in illegal acts ordered by this president's administration. Whoa. Everybody settle down. What's with the threats, tough guy? Now, Gallego went to uh, try and clarify his remarks uh, to Fox News, saying government officials who violate the law or the Constitution will not be immune to legal consequences. They will eventually be held accountable for their actions even if the Trump administration is refusing to do so. The story from the Washington Post uh, tells uh, the story of a guy named uh, Juan who has a birth certificate showing he was delivered by a midwife in Brownsville, Texas. He spent three years uh, as a private in the U.S. Army. He was a cadet in the Border Patrol, and he's now a state prison guard. But when he applied to renew his passport, the government uh, said that he didn't believe They didn't believe he was an American citizen. He's one of the growing number of people, says the Washington Post, whose official birth records show they were born in the United States who are now being denied passports. Now listen. If there is indeed a case going on where someone is saying, oh, oh, sure, Juan was born in Brownsville. How apropos. Yeah, denied. And being proactive in keeping people who are American citizens, he doesn't like what they look like, right? That's straw man, right? But let's say that straw man actually exists. Go throw that son of a bitch in jail. That's not my problem. That's no one's problem. It's fine. You don't do that. We don't do that in the United States. That is not who we are. But if that's the now the, the, the bar, I want Lois Lerner in jail. Lois Lerner looked at Tea Party groups that were trying to get their tax-exempt status and held them up for years, preventing them from speaking freely. She isn't in jail. 
And I want Ruben Gallego to be honest and absolute in these convictions. And I want him to be consistent across the long arc. But that's really not what he's doing. Because he's having a larger conversation, I believe, Ruben Gallego is. Not to the extent that people here are are doing this. Not that someone, an individual, possibly is breaking the law. But rather he is making a blanket statement, is this Democrat, to law enforcement. That following what he considers to be unacceptable laws on the books that the president enforces is what's unacceptable. Today, it's a reference to this story from the Washington Post. Tomorrow, it's the border. The next day, it's all the other things that you think should also be enforced. This is an incredibly dangerous kind of game that the representative is playing. Because... He's not having a a conversation in context. He's having a conversation in broad generalities. When you go back to his tweet, if you are a U.S. government official and you are deporting Americans, be warned. When the worm turns, you will not be safe because you are just following orders. You do not have to take part in illegal acts ordered by this president's administrations. First, the whole idea of just following orders, that's a Nazi reference, right? I mean, I, I I assume that's what it is. It's what it smacks of. You do not have to take part in illegal acts ordered by this president's administration. What if they're legal acts? So, for example, people are upset about separation uh, at the border of families. However, that is the law. Based on who can be held and where, that is the law. The zero-tolerance policy, as people discuss it, is only further proof of the fact that it's the law. It's just President Trump enforcing the law, where these people, would rather that the law regarding the border and who comes across the border and how these things are processed and how these things are prosecuted not be enforced. They would rather it not be enforced, and they believe that the enforcement of the law is the problem itself. Things would be better if the law wasn't enforced. That's that's freaking messed up. And so it would be one thing to discuss specific issues. What Gallego is doing is talking broad. And he's talking about government officials, which is to say law enforcement, deporting Americans. That's all of ICE. That's all of, uh, name three or four other organizations that would fit in or, or tangentially fit in. Maybe he's talking about them too. He's talking the concept of retribution. How many times am I going to say this? The left always overplays their hand. Always, 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 always overplays their hand. This is one of those cases. That's Ruben Gallego. Uh, honestly, I mean, he, he kind of makes a a uh, business out of being a, a thorn in President Trump's side and trying to make a name for himself in, in, in that way. Um, good on him. Good on him. You 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 enjoy that. Um, I I'm gonna hope you don't get reelected. But Arizona has a history of kind of punching itself in the face. You know, Raul Grijalva? Raul Grijalva is the Tucson area, is where he's the congressman. And when Arizona was engaged in the battle on SB 1070, Senate Bill 1070, it was the Arizona immigration law. And the law said 
It was a law basically to codify there was already a law. It was kind of nuts. It said when a police officer is involved in a lawful stop, detention, or arrest, they can ask for country of origin. Where were you born? They can ask that question. Raul Grijalva thought that this was so awful that he demanded that people boycott the state of Arizona. Loud noises! Exactly. As if somehow the local business or the convention center had anything to do with this policy whatsoever. You've got somebody who relies on tourism and relies on big conventions because they work as a server in the nice steakhouse, and that's where people go. You know, you go, you're in a convention, and there you're there with the boss. They're going to drop down the corporate credit card, and everybody's going to have a steak. You say, oh, what a steak. But you know where to get a real steak, and then people are going to fight about the steak, and, and someone's going to get in the side of asparagus. Nobody really eats asparagus, but it's on the boss's dime. So just throw everything on there. Get me some extra hollandaise, my goodness, and a crash cart for my heart attack and another steak while you're at it. That, that is what happens? Well, now here's your congressman saying, don't come. Don't spend your money here. I disagree with what the state is doing in creating a law, so let's damage all the people who rely on tourism dollars. It was the craziest response ever. It was ridiculous. Ill-advised, Ill ill-thought-out, uh, overplay the hand, not thinking, not putting it all together. I I don't think Iago really thought about what it is he said here. He's just angry. He's going to show how tough he is. He's going to be part of the Democratic leadership. He's Ruben Gallego. Okay, threaten law enforcement. Let's see how that works for you. I'm Tony Katz. We should take a walk someday. Dream about what we could have been. I don't want to leave this place There's no faith in Brooklyn Yeah If I move out one day It will make me a better man Without your mail Tony Katz Facebook Tony Katz Radio The phone number 833-GOT-TONY 833-468-8669 Um There are more and more stories coming out about Beto O'Rourke Who is running against Ted Cruz uh, For Senate in, in Texas and I think some of them are ridiculously daft. If you're going to beat Beto O'Rourke, who calls himself Beto, but I guess, you know, people can call themselves what they want. I really shouldn't get myself too worked up over it. Uh, you beat him on, on policy, right? You beat him on the fact that what it is he believes in is, is less than. It provides no value. That's what you do it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of love for Beto, it seems. At least that's how the press is, is, is pushing it. And then there was uh, the, the GOP of, of Texas. It was some good tweets. It was some good tweets uh, mocking him for his days in a rock band, you know? And, and so what? Guys, do you know how many times my father told me to quit school and go join a rock and roll band? You know how many times he said it? Now, the problem with my, my father was he said it, but he would never have been okay with it, right? Because that's not a plan. That's stupid. That's how he would have said it. That's how he would have said it. But he said it all the time. Like somewhere he knew that you should just like like the 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 well-worn path. What they say you're supposed to do is nonsense. His life history taught him that. And as I've gotten older, certainly that has proven to be true. But he said it all the time. Guy was in a rock band. So what? So what? Since when is that a bad thing? Since when is that a problem? 
are we uh, the conservatives, the Republicans want to be the guys who are like, oh, rock and roll. That's the devil's music. Probably drank the hooch as well, didn't you? Could you could you act like a more of a bunch of prudes? It was in a rock band, so the hell what? It doesn't matter. That kind of stuff doesn't make any sense. Um, then there's the story that uh, he was in a drunk driving accident in 1998. Now, supposedly this was well known. Houston Chronicle obtaining police records from the scene of the crash in 98. He had a blood alcohol level of 0.136. It was recorded in the police report to be traveling at a high rate of speed before his car careened into the meridian, uh, into the median, sorry, of an interstate near the New Mexico border. Then he attempted to flee the scene of the crime in his car after the accident. This happened when he was uh, 26. The Texas GOP put out his mugshot. Um, two things, if, 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 if I may. Uh, there's never an excuse for driving drunk. There's never an excuse for driving drunk. The first uh, person, the first loss in my life outside of someone's family uh, was a, a high school friend. And we were just, I mean, we, we knew each other growing up in elementary school and in middle school, and, and we, we, we weren't close. We knew each other. I mean, it was, you know, Middletown, New Jersey wasn't the biggest place in the world. And, you know, and then we, we really became friendly senior year, and then that, that, that summer after the first year of, of college, a bunch of us started getting really close and hanging out. It was it was cool. It was cool. And then uh, in the early morning hours of, of July 5th, I remember it like it was, was yesterday, uh, he was driving with some friends in a Jeep, and they were doing donuts, and they were drunk, and the Jeep overturned, and he got crushed by the Jeep. I remember that funeral. I remember it was uh, surreal. Absolutely, and that summer, and and just the beyond the pall, right? It wasn't a pall over everything. It was just a okay. High school's over. Okay, this really is there. There is real life, and it sometimes doesn't go according to plan. I mean, it was the first time to really see it and and, and experience it in, in in that way. So I have no quarter, I guess, from that experience, and I I would assume assume even without that experience, uh, for for drunk driving. If the Republican Party thinks this is going to be the thing that prevents Beto O'Rourke from getting elected, they're too daft to be running a political party. They should go work at Dairy Queen. And I'm not here to insult people who work at Dairy Queen, but I'm not sure that people who think that this is the motivating factor are good enough to run the blizzard machine. They sure as hell couldn't turn the thing upside down and get it to stick. Not a chance. Not a chance. America is going to look at this story and say, turned his life around. That's exactly what they're going to say. This was a story, you know, I, I'm in Indiana. This was a story uh, they tried to pull on Congressman Luke Messer, who was running in the in the primary. Now, he lost to a guy with outrageous money, Mike Braun, who has a real good chance to beat Joe Donnelly, who's the Democrat, right? Um, so so that's the way that one goes. But when you take a when you take a look at uh at, at where this kind of plays out. This plays out better for Beto O'Rourke if the Republicans think that this is something they can, quote-unquote, capitalize on. What has his life been after that? 
That's the question. 26, start talking policy and why your policy is better for Texans. Then you'll win. Overheard. I'm Ari Castle, filling in for Brian Baker on Overheard. Hope you're all having a happy Friday. One of the most underreported stories for the past couple weeks has been Anthony Scaramucci promoting a Trump-themed Broadway show. Say, I wonder what that would sound like. In a world where politics are in disarray, one man will begin his journey to the White House. Presenting Trump the Musical. The story of one man who changed the world when he ran for president. They're bringing crime to America. They're bringing drugs to America. Don't want illegals in America. Need a wall between Mexico and America. Donald Trump thought running for president would be easy. Turns out that making America great again is a little harder than he thought. Cause you can't stop the tweeting or the nicknames or the thoughts in my brain. You can wonder if you want to, but the answer's the same. GOP tries to stop me, but they are all too lame. You can't stop the Trump train. He was laughed and mocked at by the media. It's the fake news life for us. It's the fake news life for us. Instead of sources, we make them up. Gotta do it, cause we hate Trump. It's the fake news life. And you better watch out for that wicked witch. Five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred emails. Five hundred twenty-five thousand deleted emails. Five hundred twenty-five thousand unethical choices. How do you measure measure a crime? The reviews are in, and critics can't get enough of Trump the musical, calling it huge and bigly. Trump the musical coming to an off-Broadway theater near you. I think I'll try defying Hillary. She always lies. I'm defying Hillary. She hired a British spy. I'm defying Hillary. And she'll never bring me down. I'm Ari Castle. That is what's been overheard today. Had a great weekend. Ari Castle, thank you, Tony Katz. 833-GOT-TONY is the number. 833-468-8669. That is what you do. Coming up, Cameron Gray. Uh, You know his work uh, from Twitchy. You know his work uh, writings here, there, and everywhere. Uh, Spends a lot of time over there at NRA TV. We're actually not talking guns. Amazingly, shockingly, not talking guns. That coming up. In just a few minutes, you're going to enjoy him. There was a cartoon contest that was canceled. It was a Muhammad cartoon contest. We're not surprised uh, by this. It was being put together by Geert Wilders, known far and wide in the Netherlands for his work, uh, uh, being uh, opposed to uh, Islamists. He canceled the the competition, because it sparked protests in Pakistan. Here's where it gets interesting. In Pakistan, they want the UN 
to make moves to make it a crime to do a cartoon of Muhammad. Pakistan wants the UN to make the world a safe space. No belief in freedom of speech, no belief in in freedom of self-expression, but rather we're so offended that you can't. And if you want to know why to be out of the UN, I think that's a pretty good damn reason. You don't get safe spaces from the things that you don't like. And you can't threaten people into liking the things that you like. This is what they want. Now, Geert Wilder is saying, to avoid the risk of Islamic violence, I've decided not to let the cartoon contest go ahead. He's gotten several death threats. Oh, he's gotten death threats for years. Him, Ayan Hirsi Ali. Honestly, if you don't know who Ayan Hirsi Ali is, you have to go now. Stop what you're doing. Go to Amazon. Go to wherever it is you buy your books and get the book Infidel by Ayan Hirsi Ali. Then you have to read Infidel. Then you have to put the book down and say, dear God, what kind of world is this? And when you realize it's a world that is solvable, that you don't have to let the Islamists, the jihadists, the abusers, the the most twisted variations of thoughts of humanity, you don't have to let them be in charge of anything. And yeah, listen... You want to draw a cartoon, draw a cartoon. Yeah. You have, you have free speech in the United States? You have freedom of expression? Go ahead. No one has the right to kill you over it. No one. Even if they feel offended. Cameron Gray, he's up next. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz, 833-GOT-TONY is the number. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Cameron Gray joins me right now. Radio producer extraordinaire, a writer, of course, catches work. I've seen it at Ricochet. I've seen it uh, highlighted on Twitchy.com so many times. I don't even know what to do. The thousands upon thousands of retweets that mm. you get. Sometimes I get seven. Mm. Seven retweets. Sometimes I get two. Two from my mother. <laughs> two from my mother. He joins us uh, right now. Um, everything news-wise is the funeral of John McCain. Yes. And they're there in Washington, D.C., and and everybody's speaking, and then yes. there's a, a whole viewing. You live in uh, the nation's capital. Uh, um, Northern Virginia. I, I uh, close enough. Close enough, but come on, don't don't uh, don't lump me in with that horrible city. Well, no, I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying that you're the a metropolitan horrible person. Area. I'm just saying that you like to be around them. Oh, uh, yeah, um, I guess. Is... The press wants you to believe that there is this universal love for John McCain and those who don't completely adore him are just uh, horrific. Uh, Is that that really the feel of of the D.C.? (laughs) The same press who had nothing nice to say uh, about John McCain years ago and who are using John McCain to dunk on Trump as they do uh, constantly. But the thing that I I just am floored about, Tony, is how in the world— Listen, I have my issues with Sarah Palin. I don't think she's the, the greatest speaker or the greatest thinker of our time. But he chose her to be his running mate in 2008. Right. The running mate for the president of the United States. She could have been a heartbeat away from the presidency. She's wasn't only not invited. She was told to stay away from his funeral. How in the world 
is that possible from uh, from the McCain family? I, it, it's uh, to me, it's it's gross and unacceptable. All right. So two things. First, uh, it, it's it's his funeral. It's it's they can do uh, whatever whatever they want. Absolutely. Um, do you want to hear my thesis? I do. <laughs> I have a really good thesis. All right. But oh you, come on, my theory is awesome. But do you agree that it's it's ridiculous on on the face? Yeah, I, I I so I didn't understand when when it was first President Trump w- was not invited. I said, you know what? And I've been saying this now for days. They don't like each other. I don't. Okay, great, exactly. Who cares? Why That's in the it. world do you have to like everybody? You don't have to like everybody. They didn't like each other, and I'm fine with it. I sleep totally fine. That's fine, exactly. Then uh, Sarah Palin wasn't invited, and I said to myself. You mean the only reason people voted for you, Senator McCain, to begin with? (laughs) The only times where you were, like, surging in the campaign was after the nomination of Sarah Palin. The woman he pretty much made as a national figure. And right up until you decided to suspend your campaign to save us from the economic ruin, only proving that you were not a man who could do two things at the same time. (laughs) Right? That's a a bad image. I'm not going to now change what I've said because he's passed. I have said this uh, for years. Well, I thought that was odd, too, and I thought, uh, it's his funeral. Sure. Family can do what they want. I thought it was petty. It's very petty. I I really did. And then I came upon this article from Politico uh, from from yesterday, Mm -hmm. that Steve Schmidt, Nicole Wallace, and John Weaver were not invited to any of the services. Steve Schmidt was the campaign manager in 2008. Nicole Wallace was a senior advisor. John Weaver has been a longtime strategist. And also, the first two names... Mega uh, never Trumpers too. Yes, which is interesting. So I asked myself this question, and thus my theory: We know that John McCain planned out every bit of this funeral. Yes, we have been told this repeatedly. We've also been told that Cindy McCain, his wife, for her reasons, and maybe they're worthwhile reasons. Maybe I would be this way too. Is very very worried about ensuring his legacy. Is there an objective to somehow make believe that 2008 didn't happen? That the election didn't yeah. happen, right? I, wow. That, I, and I'm not a conspiratorial person at all. But you know what? Now that I hear myself say it, now that I hear myself say the words, <laughs> I sound crazy as can be. I sound like a psychopath. Except, holy damn, look at the people who were purposefully, proactively kept out. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, what that's I just did right there. Cameron Gray joins us uh, right now. Cameron Gray, G-R-A-Y, but, but also on, the, uh, on Twitter. If you're keeping with the same topic, why is it that the uh, governor of Arizona, Doug Ducey, needs to vet the cho- his choice of a successor with Cindy McCain? No offense to the McCains or any of them, but this idea that we have of political dynasties, it's 2018 already. Can we please just stop with this? Right. No, no, I, I absolutely believe it. So... Uh, I I I know that that's I know there was a conversation some that he might pick her to which I, right. I I I am opposed. Yes, his responsibility is to Arizona first and to the party second, uh, not to the McCain's. It's not John McCain's seat. Absolutely. It's Arizona's seat. Just right. like Ted Kennedy's seat was not Ted Kennedy's seat. It was uh, Massachusetts seat, and then it was Scott Brown who had the seat for for a while before Elizabeth Warren. Um, I think there's something to say. Hey, I just want you to you know this is who I've selected. This is why I think they're a good person. And it's always sweet to get the little seal of approval, yeah. and and you're you want to be you know you're being it's like asking, toy the, asking the father uh, for the hand in marriage, right? You know, kind of thing. But if John McCain was a Democrat, uh, well, there's still a question about that. And, <laughs> and you have Doug Ducey, 
the governor, would he would he be checking then? So I don't know. And maybe it has something to do with the person. Maybe he's viewed differently in Arizona uh, than, than, than in other places. Um, but I, uh, the idea that he's conservative stalwart, mm-hmm. uh, n- no one's buying. No. And the, when I see CNN go to what can only be described as the crocodile tears, mm-hmm. we know this is made up. And as you described before, Cameron, anything to dunk on Trump. Anything. anything. It, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable to see anything to dunk on Trump. Yeah. So I, 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 this is my theory. This is my McCain theory. Uh, the, the real question is um, what does this mean for midterms? Because does the the purpose of all of this McCain uh, lifting mm-hmm. is to somehow cause Trump issue. They think that this might have somehow right. be something right. worthwhile, or they're they they are able to use it as a way to keep Trump off the front pages. Right there, he's not the one taking up all the oxygen in the room. He's not the one changing the subject. He's not the one right now running the news cycle. John McCain. Mm-hmm is running uh, the, the, the news cycle right now. Do you think this, the, the death of McCain, has any effect on, on the midterm, Republican, Democrat, anything? I mean, we, we live in a country with such short attention spans. I mean, your average person doesn't follow politics anywhere close to someone like you or someone like uh, I do. Um, and it's the, it's the end of August. It's going to be, you know, football season's going to start. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of things going on in life. School is, is getting started for some people around the country. People's lives go on. I think by the time November hits, is McCain going to be a real factor? He's, he's, of course, like you said, taking the oxygen out of the room and getting Trump off the front pages, and he's all over the, every television. But by November, is the death of McCain really a lingering factor? I don't think so. No, nah, and, and by November is the key thing. And the other place this applies is Representative Ron DeSantis and Mayor Andrew Gillum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this whole monkey this up. Stop. Another, it, it, it's just, you're, you can't tell me, the same people who a few weeks ago were telling me that Sarah Jiang, who wanted the genocide of white people, gets a sweet gig on the editorial page of the New York Times, they, they, they were, couldn't rush to her defense fast enough. These same people are now going to tell me that some guy said monkey around is something sort of racial. Monkey this up. Monkey this up. That, see, monkey it. around is okay. <laughs> That's oh, what oh, I've okay. heard. Monkey, monkey this, this up. up. Oh, okay. That's where it got. Uh, Andrew Gillum, the mayor of Tallahassee, is black. Uh, Ron DeSantis is not. And he was talking about socialism and how uh, Andrew Gillum believes in these things. Yeah. And Florida's going too well. We shouldn't monkey this up by engaging some of these socialist strategies with someone like Andrew I, Gillum. I saw someone, and therefore it was uh, racist. Well, someone on MSNBC, I saw a clip, said it's, it's, it's paramount to the N-word. You've got to be kidding no, me. No, it's not. You've got to be kidding me when you say some of that. The, the same mainstream media who was cheering on someone talking about the genocide of white people is saying that's okay, but a guy who had who there was nothing racist in what he said, but they wanted to describe race to it. That's a problem, and he needs to drop out of the race. Stop so the, the, the point I've been making is that this happened now. If this happened five days before the election, maybe. But this is going to have this is oh, going to have zero oh, it's effect. Done. done. It, it won't last on, past on this the weekend. election. What I what I would tell people, what I would warn people in Florida, or warn the Republican Party, if you think that he's a socialist, so therefore DeSantis is going to walk all over him, you're insane. Oh, sure. And if you think the argument is, well, he believes in uh, universal health care, so he's going to blow up Medicare, and that's the story we're going to tell, and that's how we're going to describe it to scare seniors, you're also criminally insane. Yeah. Uh, because. What's going to happen is people are buying into this nonsense. You have to have a stronger argument all the way around. And by the way, have, I don't know if you've heard Andrew Gillum. The whole presentation, 
Um, he's a likable cat. Oh, he's, he's there are there are people who are unlikable. Hillary is unlikable, oh, sure. and Elizabeth Warren is unlikable. Um, he's a likable dude. Well, combine that with the fact that the mainstream media has already started the Alexandria Casio uh, Cortezing of him. You know the the backstory. This is uh, this is unbelievable. This is this is the future of the of the party. The future of uh, progressivism. Uh, the the glowing piece is that the Cortez Gillum twenty twenty. No, she's too young. <laughs> she's too she's young. too young. So twenty twenty eight. But you, you know, you, I'm sure you have people who are 2028, like, 20, seven years. That's yeah, ten years from now. She'll be fine. She'll be 38. She's 28 right now. She'll be good. She'll be good. But if anyone, you know, this is one of those things like no one knew about this guy. No one, in, even in Florida, thought he had a chance. Out of the out of the blue, he beats Graham. Um, but so now when Graham is is when Graham name, right. Yeah. Um, so now people, you know, they're writing the glowing pieces. But you know, people on our side are saying, well. He's under FBI investigation. A lot of people around him are under FBI investigation. Look at the crime in Tallahassee. Look at what the state of the city of Tallahassee is right now. Pretty much the, the state of any Democrat-run city in, in 2018. You know, look at that. Uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, don't be fooled uh, by the socialism and, and that stuff. You know, for anyone who's listening, I'm sure you have people listening on the stream in Florida. Go back and look at what he's done to Tallahassee. You know, don't don't get suckered into the glowing uh, pieces that they're going to be all over the, the Miami Heralds and the Orlando Sentinels of the world. And there are FBI probes into crime and and a, a vacation he took to Costa Rica. The vacation is not in question, but conversations he had there right. uh, is in question. And these things are known about. And he still was able to win uh, the primary. You have to accept the fact that this is going to be a race, and Republicans better run it and run it well. Because if they take it for granted that oh, Florida's not voting for a socialist, they don't know what they're doing. Cameron Gray, he is here. I am Tony Katz. You keep it there. Tony Katz, Facebook Tony Katz Radio, Instagram Tony Katz, the phone number 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Cameron Gray joins us right now, G-R-A-Y. Can I just say it's an honor to be here in the same studio? Really? That the chicks on the right, chicks on the right do. This isn't yeah. their studio. <laughs> no, it's not. Darn it. This isn't their studio. No, no, no. They're, <laughs> no, no. They're, they're down a floor. Darn it. They're down a floor. This I is the exclusive. How, I forgot how huge the MS complex is. This is the, the exclusive <laughs> Tony Katz Today Studios right there. Cameron Gray on uh, Twitter is where you find him. Can we take uh, up one thing real quick on the way over here? I was listening to you say a word. You said the word biopic for a movie about a person. Biopic. Did I say it as biopic as opposed to biopic? (laughs) Did I I say biopic? I was wondering if there was like some regional uh, translation or something. You said biopic as in myopic. I always always thought it was biopic too. Is is it not? (laughs) It's biopic. Wait, no. I thought it was biopic. Hold on a second. So we're talking about the Neil uh, Neil Neil Armstrong film uh, starring uh, Ryan Gosling. Yes, and you said biopic and it it took me by surprise. Hold on, hold on. on. Wait, hold on. Put my my computer up. Hold on. Let me me, let's try this. Biopic. Biopic. <laughs> biopic. There you go. Biopic. You, you both learned, uh, learned something. Biopic. There. Biopic. Not, not biopic. Biopic. Thank Wait you. a second. Um, can, can, can you? Was it? Was it? Was it apostolic? I, uh, I apostolic. Yeah. Threw me for a loop like nothing. <laughs> I was going apostolic. I did. Well, how often do you use that word no, in conversation? No. Uh, growing biopic, up the maybe. Jew in Brooklyn and New uh, Jersey, okay. very rarely. <laughs> apostolic is, is how it's it's pronounced. Oh, oh, did I? It rained down upon me. (laughs) 
Oh, the locusts. It was, the, it was just... When's the last time you were in Brooklyn? Well, oh, gosh. It's a good question. When's the last, it has been a long time. That's I'm a, actually... Because I've been in New York plenty, and, and I'm uh, uh, going back soon to D.C. some, but... I haven't been. I'm in New York. I'm in Manhattan, but yeah. I haven't been back to Brooklyn. I actually want to get back. I would like to visit uh, the the grave of my grandfather. My grandmother. Oh, okay. It's been it's been a long, well, my grandmother, long time. When we were kids, she lived in Brighton Beach. Sure. And you know, so little everybody's Odessa, grandmother lived in Brighton little Beach. Little Odessa, the Russian. What kind of thing is that? You little Russia, little, little Odessa, Odessa. Absolutely right. So I took my wife a, a couple months ago to Coney Island to show her Coney Island. Right. And I went to Little Odessa, and I swear to God, Tony. It's like a time warp. It's like the the late '80s all over again with like video stores, like VHS PAL tapes, right? And you know the the Russian dinner theater. It's it's nice because when you when you think of Brooklyn now, you think of gentrification and all this stuff. There are it's good to see parts of Brooklyn that are the way they used to be. So so you got to picture. Don't think of some like open air neighborhood and all that. We're talking about under the L, right? So oh, yeah, it, it's so loud. It's all elevated. The trains are elevated yeah. above you, and they're constantly going, and the clack clack clack, and it's moving. And so everything is already a little bit dark. Yeah. Everything's already <laughs> yes. a little bit yes, kind dark. of kind of shaded. Uh, and and the storefronts Brain where noir. they are are the, the buildings are so tall because there's apartments overhead. Right. The sun can't even creep through, so you don't really get it. Although sometimes you get a whiff of of something, you're like, "What is that?" And you realize, "Oh, that's fresh air." And so it sometimes it's comes fresh. through. It sometimes comes through. Uh, and it is, it is, but it is a, this this gritty and 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 wonderful. Oh, it's so great! Exactly, the gritty parts. That's the that's you know? the thing. that's what I like because you talked about living in DC and that come to a town like Indianapolis or even uh, north of me in Baltimore. DC is so stale and boring. You come to a city like this. You have a little more grit. It's a little more of a city. First of all, it's uh, so I would much never. I would come here. I got. I got to object. Uh, DC is is a great walking city, and and uh, what's been built there. It's not a city there, city. I'm it, from New York too. Oh, it's not it's like, capital it's, city. It's insane. New York City is no longer New York City. Uh, I mean, that what has uh, happened? There, no one can afford to to that, do uh, those kinds of things right. anymore. But you can't make a, a comparison. I, I of course I live in Indianapolis, uh, and 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 I love Indianapolis. But when I come here, but I feel it, like it's a city. This is a great livable it, it, city. It is a great city. But you can't say that about Baltimore. Baltimore is not a great. Livable no, no, no. city. I mean, it's, a, it's a gritty city, and it's more like a city. Baltimore is something you drive through on the right. way to New York. I mean, <laughs> you, it's, don't, you it, don't stop. The the story of Baltimore should be a twenty four seven story because it was it was bad before Freddie Gray. Oh, right, absolutely. And to, the, for, to use Freddie Gray's as excuse for you know what they're keeping us down, or this is why we're, we we live in horrible conditions. Give me a break. Baltimore was a toilet. Look at the the wire was way pre Freddie Gray. Right, but the point is, is that the the, the horror of the Freddie Gray story. Mm-hmm. Never mind what happened to Freddie Gray and uh, some of the accusations made and the uh, unbelievable uh, politicization by the mayor and by the the DA Mosby. Marilyn Mosby, horrible, right? Horrible. Um, at least the mayor's gone. The, Mosby's still there. Right. The, the, the story there is that it has only gotten worse. Absolutely. The police are afraid to do their jobs. There have been cops. Well, the police who, are corrupt, too. And I'm a press oh, cop. Oh, wait. Get, five, there were five cops, Baltimore right? Baltimore cop. Baltimore police has, they, the, they have a new head, new chief like once every year almost. There's all this graft and corruption inside the police. Force, and you and between me and you, you're not going to find more defenders of law enforcement. But, you know, there's dirty cops, and, and Baltimore is a huge sufferer of that. Yeah, it's... It's and it gets no better, and so uh, Baltimore is one of those case studies. We talk about cities that have these left points of view, and you have bad cities. Someone suggested to me, and and while we still got like one minute left, uh, tell me what you think. That if President Trump wants to force a national conversation to have people, you know, how Jim Brown, NFL great, sure. came out say supporting Trump, right. and no, he's not a racist. No, America's not racist. 
Trump should solve the water problems of Flint, Michigan. It should be all of his focus. Now, I don't think you should play things just for the identity politics, but I'd like for the people of Flint, Michigan to have water. No, you know, and I know you say it a minute, so make it quick. You talk about Flint, and the world talks about Flint, and Michael Moore talks about Flint, and the mainstream media talks about Flint. Talk about New York's public housing. Talk about New York's water. Talk about D.C.'s water. Talk about Baltimore's water. If you look at these, this is going to be a more a bigger story as the time goes by. Lead problems in all these cities run by Democrats is a huge issue, and this is going to become more of a problem as, as time goes on. That right there is Cameron Gray. You, you, you get on a plane, you're going home? Going home. You got enough to, you've had enough? I've had enough. I love this town. I could stay, wish I could stay longer, but... Uh, Who's telling you not to move? Home, I could, I could use a producer. <laughs> oh, hey, Art. That's terrible. How you doing, man? <laughs> When'd you get here? Cameron Gray, MSHR on the phone. Cameron Gray on Twitter. Follow me at Tony Katz. Uh, The podcast, uh, TonyKatz.com. Catch you soon. Tomorrow, everyone.